Hello, hello. I am Cortland Allen from NDHackers.com, and you're listening to the Indie Hackers Podcast. On this show, I talk to the founders of profitable internet businesses, and I try to get a sense of what it's like to be in their shoes. How did they get to where they are today? How do they make decisions, both in their companies and in their personal lives? And what exactly makes their businesses tick? And the goal here, as always, is so that the rest of us can learn from their example and go on to build our own profitable internet businesses. Today, I'm talking to Mubashar Iqbal. Mubs, welcome back to the Indie Hackers Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me on. I looked it up. It's been two years since the last time you're on the podcast. How crazy is that? Wow, it's uh, it feels like it wasn't. That, it feels like it was actually. It feels like it was longer than that because I think the indie hacker space has evolved so fast. I know it's really uh, blown up since then. That was like August 2017. Here you are in 2019. It feels like a whole new decade. Not there yet, though. Yeah, it's it's awesome though because it does it does mean that a lot more people are interested in being indie hackers and a lot of people are interested in bootstrapping their startups and stuff like that too instead of all chasing the venture capital investment instead. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah, exactly. So the last time we talked, I described you as more of a maker than an indie hacker. <laughs> you were all about the different projects that you're working on. You were sort of jumping from project to project. You didn't really care about generating revenue. Is that still the case for you today? I'd say it's still about 50% that, right? Like I'm still, I still want to do cool stuff. I still want to make cool stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, it's still not a hundred percent. Like I got to make money from it, but I do see myself now when, when I evaluate whether I want to work on something, think about like, well, actually, can this actually make money? Do I want this to make money? And and even even if it's not money per se, it's what's the reward, right? Whether it's right. whether it's you know some way to feed my network or some way to to kind of feed myself somehow. It's uh, it, yeah, I, I do think about that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, because in the past it was just like building the thing was its own reward. You're just excited to like make it, and now that's not enough. You need you need well, some yeah. other benefit. Now that I've, yeah, it's funny, I was talking to somebody else recently and we were talking about my side project. Now that I've got 80 side projects under my belt. 80. <laughs> uh, over 80, actually. Uh, yeah, exactly. So now I'm like, well, maybe I should be a little bit more selective about the things that I'm working on. Well, one of the cool things about not being selective is that it's easy to just jump into something. So for me, I'm very meticulous. I like to plan a lot of the indie hackers that I talk to are the same way because they're trying to start a profitable business. They have to connect all the dots. It has to work. They have to solve a valuable problem that people will pay for. They have to go after a good market. They have to have their distribution channels mapped out and all that stuff. With you, at least in the past, and your pure maker phase, you don't have to do any of this stuff. You could just start building. I wonder how that's changed for you now that you're working on Pod Hunt. How much planning went into that? Well, yeah, so this is a funny thing. And, and, you know, one of the things that I do think is really important, one of the things, I, one reason I'm able to jump into a lot of things is I, I, I really think uh, founder product fit is really important, more important often than product market fit. And so a lot of the reasons that I've just jumped into ideas in the past was like, that's the perfect founder product fit for me because that's the product that I want to make. That's the thing I want to work on for as long as it takes to launch it, and, and I'm very excited about it. So with Pod Hunt, it was the same kind of thing. If, it's actually been an idea that's been percolating between me and uh, and some friends who talked about it for probably two years now. The idea for Pod Hunt actually came when Product Hunt used to have a podcast category on their site, and after a while, they shut down all of the all of the other 
categories that they had. They used to have books and video games and all those uh, and a few other categories as well as the application stuff that they do. And so they shut it down. I think I think it's been about two years, eighteen months, two years ago now. And ever since then, the idea has been, well, we should probably build something that's a little bit more focused on podcasting, but has the same features of products on it. Because that's one of the reasons that uh, I I listened to some interviews with Ryan Hoover about why they shut down all those other categories. And it it was mainly that they had tried to shoehorn all those other categories into the way that product hunt worked exclusively. And so they didn't really want to change the submission process and all those other things. So it never really felt like those things were served 100% the way that they were supposed to. Yeah, I think it's really easy as a founder, especially when your product is working, to think, okay, this is working. I'm just going to copy and paste what I have here that's working for one area, and I'm going to expand into these other adjacencies. I'm going to take Product Hunt, which works for products, but I'm also going to make it work for podcasts and make it work for video games and other stuff. And then you try it, and it turns out that all these different areas have their own little idiosyncrasies. And if you really want to do a good job, you can't just copy and paste what you have onto them. You have to actually tailor your features from the ground up to work like that. And Product Hunt's podcast features and stuff, to the best of my memory, didn't do that. Right. It was just, here's a link. You just submitted it. And it was kind of the same thing. But you know, as I built Pod Hunt, it was like, well, we do want to focus on the episodes and the episodes relate to the podcast. And so having that kind of hierarchical information flow to be able to get from an episode back to the podcast, but see, you know, see all the other episodes that were submitted and kind of things like that easily. Um, you know, those, those were the kind of things that I kind of looked at and said, you know, how can I make sure that the experience around pod hunt really focuses the industry that it's in uh, rather than just, you know, try and make it fit into the same old submit a link and then upvote the link kind of idea. So that, that was really important to me. And so, yeah, Pod Hunt. So, so the idea existed probably about two years ago since they shut it down. I mean, I always felt like it was a good idea, but I never felt like I was in the right place to kind of move forward with the idea. Like I didn't think me as a founder was in the right place to build that. And so eventually about six weeks ago, I was talking to some friends about it again. And it was like, well, you know what? Now feels like the right time, just in terms of where I'm at, in terms of what I want to do, a market that I want to attack. I think podcasting has kind of, it's been on a pretty steady climb for years and years and years, but I think it's reached a certain level now where it actually makes it an attractive market as well. And so, yeah, so that was why it was like founder, product, market fit, all kind of lined up. And it was like, okay, let's uh, let's see what we can make happen. Okay, I got so many questions to ask you about this. First, let's talk about founder, product fit, which is what you're so enthusiastic about. I think a lot of people have not built 80 side projects, uh, they don't really know what kind of product is going to fit their personality. How do you determine what's going to fit your personality having built so many projects? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, I mean, because a lot of people are just kind of out there kind of like finding product market fit in terms of, you know, what's a hot industry, what's a hot kind of business model even to kind of build something in. And and you focus a lot on like, is it a growing market? Is it a terrestrial market? And all those kind of things. Right. But they forget about, well, if I'm going to do this successfully, I need to work on this thing for the next three, five, 10 years. So if it's in an industry that you really don't like, are you going to be able to wake up every day at you know, six o'clock in the morning or whatever time you want to wake up? But you know, for the next 10, 12 hours a day, are you going to be able to think about that thing? Are you going to be able to work on that thing for the next five years? Even if it's an awesome industry and it's an awesome idea, but it's something that you don't feel 
like, you know, you don't have the passion for it, it's going to be a struggle. For me, I mean, I've been interested in podcasting for, you know, I've been listening to podcasts for, you know, nine years. I've been interested in content curation probably my whole career. Like if you if you look back at my 80 side projects, the first two, three, four, five, ten even, all focused on content curation. And so it just kind of felt like it was it was a good fit for me because it matched my interests. And it's something I feel like I can, I, well, it's, it's, and, and, and I think it's also a problem that I can actually, actually to do. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's an application I can build and I have the information in my head that will kind of, uh, that I can turn into code and hopefully other people will actually like what I output as well. <laughs> yeah. The cool thing about founder product fit is that you said it's more important than product market fit. And I totally agree. In fact, for me, it's like, when you said that, it was kind of weird. I was like, is it? I haven't thought about it, but I'm, then I'm like, you know what? It is because I don't even take that as as something that's a variable. I'm like, the thing you should do is pick an idea that you're actually interested in. And then with that constraint, then you look at all the other stuff. So like that should be something that is never, like you should never, never work on something that you're not interested in. Because if you do, like you said, you're going to be bored of it. And I think it's really easy for people to slip into this mindset where they think, oh, well, it's just so hard to come up with a good idea. Right. I can't limit myself to only the ideas that I'm interested in. And it's this kind of scarcity mentality where it's like, Ideas are so hard to come by, but I think the reality is that there are probably infinitely many good ideas, no matter what kind of constraints you have. So you might as well constrain yourself to only ideas that you care about. Well, I think well, the, I think part of what's happened recently is that a lot of people have been focused on well, because there's such a heavy emphasis put on got to have be able to make revenue immediately, right? Like there's right. that big heavy emphasis put on that, and so people start to narrow down their ideas. To just those things that can make money immediately, and I think that's where they kind of fall into the trap of ignoring the, the the founder product fit and like, oh, I can see how I can charge a customer for this right now, and that's and that's fantastic if you can find an idea that that can do that, and that maybe if you can turn it around fast, you you won't you won't reach the point where you're not interested in it anymore. But that's a very rare exception, I think, rather than you know what what kind of everybody experiences. I think a lot of people experience the fact that yes they can start the company and yes it can make a little bit of money and you can see the returns but then to get out of that trough of sorrow because you don't like the industry because you don't like what you're making every day you never actually escape out of that yeah exactly so then there's the other side of the coin which is actually building something that people in the market want obviously podcasting is huge now it's just getting bigger and bigger every year it's well beyond what any of us would have guessed five or ten years ago uh, I just had Justin Jackson on the podcast. He started Transistor, which is no insult to Justin, a very straightforward, boring podcast hosting business. And he'd be the first person to tell you that. Like, they're not, you know, innovating in some new, crazy way that you've never seen before. And they're sort of riding this podcast wave and making money <laughs> hand over fist. You're doing something slightly different, which is that you're in the same growing market, but you're doing something that people haven't really seen in the podcasting space before, at least not the way that you're doing it, which is sort of this like stack ranked, product hunt leaderboard type thing. So every day there's a new list of the best podcast episodes and you can go and upvote the best one. And it's like kind of a discovery platform. Like which episode do I want to listen to today? How do you think about your particular approach and how it fits into the overall overall podcast market? Yeah, I mean I think I think the main the main way that a pod hunt differentiates itself from all of the other kind of leaderboards and lists that there are out there is they they all tend to focus on the actual entire podcast so if you if you look at most of the 
of the heater boards out there, they'll list, you know, sites like uh, Aaron's podcast and Joe Rogan's podcast right. and, and all that. And it's just a, a normal leaderboard and you'll see the sort of same top 100 on almost every site because, yeah, they're the celebrities. They get the most number of downloads and all that kind of stuff. But where where I saw the main difference was like, well, even if I like Joe Rogan's podcast, he's interviewed, you know, four or 500 people now. Which ones of those episodes do I actually want to listen? Because there's no way I can listen to all 500 episodes exactly. of those. Um, but maybe there's some, maybe he had, you know, Paraco Obama on. That's a really awesome one. Maybe that's the one I should listen to. But, but maybe I'm not into politics. Maybe I'm into sports. And there's some athlete that he's had on that I should listen to instead. Um, so actually focusing in on the individual episodes, I think, makes a lot more sense. Yeah, there's kind of a few podcasts that you have to listen to every episode in order and you have to listen to and you have to listen to all of them for it to really be enjoyable but that's more like an audiobook and more of the exception i think than you know like i think the vast majority of podcasts you can kind of listen to in kind of any order and and find the episodes that really going to interest you so that's the main thing um and then you know the sort of other thing i think like you said it's a daily leaderboard that kind of changes right so you're not going to come one day and see the leaderboard, come back the next day, and it's the exact same leaderboard. Right. Um, so every day you come, you're going to see something new, something interesting. And, and you may not find something every day that you find interesting. But if you come back and look at like the weekly chart or, or you sign up for the newsletter and, and you kind of see what was upvoted most throughout the week, you're going to see something that's interesting, I think. Yeah, it's pretty meta. But I see you posting about Pod Hunt on the Endy Hackers milestones feature pretty regularly. And that is itself a leaderboard that's also pretty much inspired by Product Hunt, where every day it's a new set of milestones that people are hitting with their products. And so you'll post things like, I started developing the MVP for Pod Hunt, or I switched to a weekly newsletter, or I had my two-week anniversary, or I just crossed 5,000 page views. And so we're doing kind of the same thing. Like, we're looking at these leaderboard mechanics and trying to figure out how it works, what's the right you know, frequency, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what attracts you to the whole leaderboard mechanic and what are some things you've learned about tweaking things and getting it to, to work? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I've been into content curation of some kind for a really long time. So I think we've been through the cycle of, oh, we want the experts to curate things. We want the users to curate things. And now we're kind of saying, well, we want experts to curate things in terms of the ones who submit things, right? So right. even on products are not everybody can submit stuff that it's kind of limited to a, a certain subset who can make stuff appear on the homepage immediately and then you get the community managers who can who can put stuff on the homepage as well so we got this kind of idea that yeah we don't want everybody submitting stuff we want some people submitting stuff but then ultimately you still want to know what the entire audience thinks is interesting and so you've got this mix of uh yeah uh, experts saying this stuff might be interesting to you but then let's find out what the crowd is actually saying is actually important to them as well so i think that's that's kind of the hybrid now that i think we've kind of arrived at uh, which which i think is really interesting you can't rely on just experts because experts can't even though they're experts they can't know everything about everything and you can't just rely on the crowd because if you relied on the crowd entirely you just get so much stuff that you're not really curating stuff at all anymore and and, and i think even though Product Hunt itself was kind of like looking at what how Reddit was working and and why Combinator no sorry sorry um, Hacker News was working in terms of how you upload things and things like that. I think they pioneered the oh let's reset things at the end of each day kind of thing. Yep. I think that was the you know because my my problem with with Hacker News and and Reddit and those kind of things is 
really, unless you visit it really, really r- regularly, you're not really going to see everything. Uh, and, and you're not going to see, it's hard to know what you've already seen and stuff like that, right? Like it's very easy to go to Product Hunt and say, let's look at what's hot today and scroll down and see what, what was good yesterday and scroll down and see what was good the day before. On Reddit with its like endless list of things, it's very hard to kind of scan it like that. Yeah, um, there's like a whole I, psychology of like what what's the ideal frequency that you want people right. to come visit your website at, and like once a day is pretty good. You don't necessarily need to be coming every hour, every minute, like Hacker News <laughs> sort of incentivizes you to do or Twitter or something. And like if you do burn people out like that, like perhaps they're going to stop visiting every day. They're going to come once a month or maybe never. So I kind of like the the whole once a day reset as well. Yeah, and, and I think I think for Podhunt specifically, I think it's going to be a mixture of you're going to get the core audience who like who listen to podcasts all the time in all their spare time, you know, while they're working, while they're playing or whatever, you know, while, while they're doing chores or whatever, who are going to come back every day, I think. And then you've got the more of the casual podcast listener. And if they come back once a week, I think that's awesome. And we can show them what was good once a week as well, just to kind of show them the sort of overall rank and stuff. And or if they sign up for the newsletter and just receive that once a week as well. I think I think that's kind of like the mix of yeah. Hopefully, the the sort of idea is that you can have a large enough audience that they, they you don't need people to come back every day. It'd obviously, be awesome if they did. But if they come back once a week, then I think that's that's kind of enough as well. And I think I think you always want to keep in mind of you know who is your audience and like you know I mean I, I imagine even for indie hackers, there's going to be some people who are who are just working on their uh, side projects and things in in kind of on on the weekend because they have a job during the day and they don't have much time to kind of spend on kind of other things in the week so even if they come back to indie hackers once a week that's awesome as well right yeah exactly have you read um i was just posting about like everybody's favorite book on indie hackers earlier this week and mine was hooked by near it was actually co-authored by ryan hoover and he kind of talks about this whole model for like people taking action on your website and then the ideal frequency um, a novelty for them to have when they come back and see something that's new and then them like investing in the platform by like following podcasts or like getting followers or like writing blog posts or something. So they come back when you trigger them to come back again. It's like this whole like, I don't know, algorithm for building sort of a habit forming app that people find value in coming back to you every day. Have you read this? Yeah, I, 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 I've definitely read that. I, I haven't read it recently. It's been, it's been a little while uh, since I read it, but, and it's definitely something I keep in mind. Like I, I don't, it's very hard to, un- yeah. Obviously, it's hard to understand everybody's psychology, right? And everybody's going to be yeah. slightly different in terms of how they kind of attack those things. Plus, I also think people are starting to get wise to some of those as well. <laughs> and, Everything, and like, every marketing trick stops working eventually. Like right. eventually, people get used to it. Like if you go back and watch ads from the 1950s, they look horribly outdated, and it's like I can't believe this worked on anybody. But at the right. time, it was like crack; they couldn't resist it. Yep, absolutely. And so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I keep those ideas in mind. Uh, and I start, I, I do think about, you know, what are the features that are going to encourage people to come back on a more regular cycle? But ultimately, I just want to think about what's the best way to surface the best podcasts, right? Like that's, that's really all I want to do. And I think if I, if, if Podhunt can do that, then I think people will come back on their own and I don't need to do any special tactics and things like that. Either. Yeah. So I'm super curious about your roadmap because 
I have like selfishly all these features that I want for Pod Hunt because I'm also like I care more about the episode. Like there's certain shows right. that I definitely want to subscribe to, but very rarely do I listen to every single episode of a particular show. I'm like, what's the best one? You know, what's the best episode for the art or product, et cetera? So it's like I really want you to build like a podcast player. So it's simultaneously yep. surfacing the right episodes for me and then I can play it right there. And then I want it to be like niche based so I can because you have tags on there right now. I can click. Yep. I can't really click, but I can see, okay, this is a business podcast and this is a tech podcast, but it's like, they're not scoped to that. And so it's like, I want to skip everything that's not business or tech. Uh, so I'm curious, what's on your, your future roadmap and are you going to build the exact features that I want, Mubs? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're my ideal customer, then absolutely. Um, but no, absolutely. I mean, I think ultimately, I think you have to be both the player and a discovery at the same time. I think that's the thing that will kind of make sense. I mean, the reason it's non-app right now is I just think that to, to get that right is going to take a lot longer than it took me to build a website. And, yeah. and to iterate on that is going to be a lot faster on the website and, and to be able to see what works and what people find interesting. And I think once once I've kind of think I've got that right, and then to, to kind of spin up an iOS app and an Android app, I think will be fairly straightforward. So yeah, a player is on the roadmap. I don't know exactly when, but it's on but it's on the roadmap. But I think on more on more on the immediate roadmap is more of some of the things that you talked about in terms of uh, yeah, how do we surface content that you think is interesting and and kind of appealing versus yes, I think the leaderboard will stay as it is because the serendipity of just finding something that you didn't even think you found interesting, um, I think is is one of the things I like about product hunt like randomly i'll just visit the home page and there'll be something on there that i didn't know existed i didn't know i wanted but when i see it i'm like wow this is amazing <laughs> um and i think to, to kind of some degree with podcasts there might just be somebody on there who's talking about a topic that you didn't know that you were really interested in but you know maybe some marketing thing or you know maybe hooked wasn't something that you would have thought you would have found interesting but had you seen a book review for it at some point in the past, you might be not. That's is, this. This is a really awesome book that I, I might not have found. So yeah. So so I think the homepage will kind of stay the way that it is. But I, I I do want a way for you to be able to follow a category or to follow a person even to say if this person is a guest on any podcast in the future, I want to be made aware of that. Or or if even if it's just. Uh, you know, a person or uh, a particular topic, eventually things like keywords as well. But I think that was much further along in the roadmap instead. So one of the things you posted to your product page in Andy Hackers is that you crossed $20 and monthly <laughs> recurring revenue. You said you hadn't planned to monetize Pod Hunt right away, but you, you wanted to test. So tell me about that. How did you make that $20 and what's it at now? Yeah, so the the idea behind Podhunt was, was I figured that it's kind of one of these community sites that you kind of feel like has to be free, and I think ultimately it will be free forever in some way. There'll be there's never going to be a charge to kind of access the core features of it. But as I said earlier, you know, I wanted I've, I've been thinking more about well, it's cool to work on these ideas and it's cool to launch the ideas, but. At some point, if I want to continue working on the idea, it needs to make some money so that I can pay myself to work on it. <laughs> and so I, I, I thought, you know, how can I make money from, from something like this? And so I came up with the idea of what if the podcast hosts themselves can actually become supporters of PodHunt? Because the idea is, is that you're making podcast discovery easier so that listeners can find your podcast. So that, I figured that was something that podcast hosts 
would be interesting. They want more people to hear their podcasts, want people, more people uh, to become s- subscribers, etc. And so, yeah, so I just offered a very simple, you pay 25 bucks a year as a podcast host um, and your podcast becomes a supporter on PodHunt. And, and honestly, you don't get a lot for it at this point because there's not that many features right now. But, uh, but it was more, like I said, it was more of a way to test the model. To, and that's why it's also 25 bucks a year because that's not a lot of money either. <laughs> but, but also, you know, since there's 450,000 active podcasts, if I can get a couple of percent of those to become supporters, even at 25 bucks a year, that ends up being a pretty significant amount of money, I think. And so, yeah, so I think I crossed, so it's 20 bucks MMR because I, I took the amount of money that they had paid for the 25 bucks and then divided it by 12 to get what the MMR would be. <laughs> um, and I think I'm actually up to 25 bucks MMR now instead. So, <laughs> so very cool. it's working out pretty good. <laughs> I like that business model a lot. It's definitely something that needs to be free for people who are just going to discover podcasts, listen to them. Maybe if you had an app, you could charge for the app. Like I think I paid five or 10 bucks for pocket casts because I like their right. app better than others. But like for the website, totally agree it should be free. And that means the people you should be charging are people like me, the podcast hosts. And I know that if I was like, especially just getting started with the podcast, I would definitely pay money to try to get to the top or a sponsorship or have like some sort of badge or something that helps me stand out on a discovery platform. Because why not? Yeah. And, and well, even Pocket Cast now is free as well. So it's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's becoming a market where, it, you know, it's kind of like the Peralza market. People want, people want you to use their app, right? So, so to charge for it, you're kind of automatically limiting who's going to use it. And you want the audience there so that you can then push them out to other places. So you kind of have to make the app itself free. But then, like you said, I mean, if you look at how even even apps like Overcast make money by selling advertising uh, within the player. So when you're listening to something, you might find something else interesting as well. So you made another post recently on your Andy Hackers product page about PodHunt. And this milestone was getting to 500 users. You put a bunch of stats at the bottom of it. One of them was your revenue from supporters is up to $345 now. Uh, You've got 366 followers on Twitter, I believe, 500 users, 32,000 page views, 8,000 visitors. Let's dig into your growth strategies here. How are you getting people to find PodHunt? Yeah, I mean, mostly it's just been me reaching out to to, to, to folks in the industry that that, that I know. Um, I think that's... I mean, I'm not trying, I'm not spending any money on, because it's a side project, it's a fun project at this point. Uh, I don't have money to spend on marketing or anything like that. But I, because it's a product that seems to, every time I talk to hosts about it on podcasts, they're like, this is awesome because it, because it helps them do the one thing that they want, which is to get people to hear what they're talking about. So, so really my strategy has just been to talk to as many hosts as I can and then they mention it on air, even like you know, the, 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 you know they they post the episode and they'll mention the fact that they're going to post it on PodHunt so they so people can upload it and things like that. So you know, it's really that kind of slow, steady spread the word about it, and people who are going to get value out of it are going to spread the word about it as well. And then yeah, I think my focus has been on Twitter in, in initially because I think that's going to be the the easiest growth strategy in terms of you know each of the tweet each of the episodes that get submitted i kind of keep a track of who's uh, who's the host and who's the guest of the episode 
And then when I tweet out that that episode has been submitted, I tag both the host and the guest on it as well. And, this, and you know, that's led to a lot of likes and retweets and, and, and kind of things like that. Yeah, I think the um, the leaderboard format is, is so good for just incentivizing people like me to go on there and upload our episodes. And ideally, you know, when the traffic gets high enough, promote the episodes because we want other people to come upload it because we know that we'll get a lot of downloads from it. And it's like, yeah. this is all straight out of also the book Hooked. <laughs> like yes. exactly like aligning all these incentives. And it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you just got a lot going for you because all this stuff sort of works together. Yeah, and then ultimately it's just like I said, at the end of the day, the one thing that the site is aimed at doing is to get more distribution of episodes, right? Exactly. And that's what everybody wants right now because, I mean, it's even – and even from the listener standpoint, you would think with so many options that they would already have so many things to listen to. But just, just like you said, you know, you you probably have a whole bunch of podcasts that you're interested in, but – but you, but you don't really keep a track of what each episode is and who's on each episode yeah. and stuff. And every episode uh, and, can be hit or miss. Like you have no idea if one episode's going to be great. Like even with the Indie Hackers podcast, I've had some not so great episodes. I've had some episodes that like skyrocketed to like eighty or ninety thousand downloads because they were just so much better than the other ones. And it's like the person I interviewed wasn't even famous. It was just the quality of the episode. So having a, a platform like yours where people can actually say this episode was super high quality is exactly what I want as a listener. And, and actually, one of the features that we've added recently is uh, we, when, when somebody hunts an episode, we actually allow them to upload a 30-second clip of, of what the episode is about or, or a special uh, you know, part of the podcast that they thought was really awesome that had some really awesome, you know, that had some awesome information in it and kind of stuff like that. So that's, I think that's one of the, the sort of other things I found when I was listening to podcasts previously was – how do I know what this podcast is actually about? Right, just because it's a conversation between me and you, like, what are we talking about? Right, so, <laughs> so you, you could try and scan the transcript and stuff to see what it's about and stuff like that. But if if somebody's actually listened to the podcast already and they say, look, this thirty second clip will tell you exactly what it's about, or this thirty second clip will is the real highlight part of this episode. And if you like this thirty second clip, you're going to love the rest of it as well. Uh, and I think people have been using that a, a, a lot now to actually find out if it's a podcast that they actually want to hear as well. So I think that's really helping as well. You know what I've been thinking about a lot is social websites have popularized these micro interactions. Like 15 years ago, there was no such thing as like a like. Um, I guess upvotes <laughs> have always kind of been around, but not really. And they give you some information, like somebody likes this thing, but it's not that much information. So in Indie Hackers, I've been thinking, like, what if I had a feature where, like, if you followed somebody, a little text box popped up, and it's like, why did you follow this person? And you just, like, enter a few words, or if you like a post, it's like, what did you like about this post? I wonder if people will be willing to kind of, like, say a few words about why they liked it or why they followed it, and that would be kind of a good signal for others. And that's also when you submit the episode as well. Like, obviously, we pull the episode description out of the RSS feed and stuff, but there's a box where you can say, why you like that episode as yeah, well. Perfect. So, 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 so cool. as you submit it, you can kind of add some extra information about it. And then we do have some commenting features on each episode as well. So if you come and listen to it and you think it's an awesome one, you can, you can kind of say why you thought it was awesome as well. So kind of thinking about that, um, you know, obviously I, you, you can't make people do that stuff, but it'd be nice if you could. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm, 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 and, and it's one of those things, hopefully I'm just thinking as, as we get more audience, as we get more, traction that kind of thing will just kind of happen naturally as well um i do think one of the things that the site's missing right now and, and again it's kind of on on the roadmap as well like 
I want to be able to ping you when an episode that you've hosted or you've been a guest on, I want, yeah. I want you to be able to be made aware of that. So people are talking about it, that you're aware of that as well. So, so just that kind of interaction, that feedback loop, I think needs to be closed a little bit. But uh, so I'm working on the mechanics of that as we speak. <laughs> well, listen, Mom, it's exciting stuff. I'm excited to see where it goes. Why don't you tell listeners what your advice would be for, for people who are early on, who haven't worked on 80 side projects, who aren't you know, smack dab in the middle of a, of a successful podcasting website? What should an early stage indie hacker be thinking about and, and what's your advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think, I think I've said all along uh, on these things. It's like, do the things that, that you want to do, right? Like, don't go chasing the hot category or the hot, you know, I want to build Facebook for this or Uber for that. Like, I mean, it sounds fantastic and you think you can catch like a hot, you know, kind of a hot uh, segment or something like that. But ultimately, even if you get a small amount of success, it's not going to be the big success that kind of everybody wants to think. And then I think if you focus on something that you're really passionate about and you focus on the things that make you happy, I think it's just going to make whatever you do more successful. Maybe not in the short term. Maybe, maybe you won't see that immediate return. But I think longer term, I think you'll see that that reward comes from your happiness as well. Mobs, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Can you tell listeners where they can go to learn more about what you're up to with PodHunt? Absolutely, yeah. So obviously on Indie Hackers, I post all of my milestones as well. Uh, PodHunt.app is the URL. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's my full name, Mabashir Iqbal. So twitter.com slash Mabashir All right. Thanks so much, Mobs. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Listeners, if you're interested in coming onto the podcast like Mubs to have a quick chat with me, go to ndhackers.com slash milestones and post a milestone about whatever it is that you're working on. It can be pretty much anything. People have posted milestones about launching or finding their first customer. They posted about their mailing list or hitting 1,000 followers on Twitter. They posted about getting to $100 or $1,000 or $10,000 a month in revenue. The sky's the limit. So whatever it is you're proud of, whatever milestones you're hitting, come post them on indiehackers.com slash milestones and other indie hackers will help you celebrate. We love supporting each other and encouraging each other when we hit these milestones. And what I will do at the end of every week is look at the top milestone posted and reach out to people to invite them to come onto the show for a quick chat. So once again, that's ndhackers.com slash milestones. I'm looking forward to seeing what you post. Music.